the entire time I've been editing this previous episode, I was thinking of something witty to say at the beginning, and I had it and lost it so many times that I, this is my bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, brain function is also dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yes, episode two of media literacy is dead. It's really a thing now. Oh, it's a, definitely a it's thing. It's definitely a thing. Um, so you went to Download Festival. Tell oh, me more. Straight in there. Yeah. yeah. We, we're not even doing the introductions anymore. We're just like straight. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Hold up. Okay. So I am Matthew. This is Chris. Hello. We are Media Literacy is Dead. Hello. Download. Download. <laughs> okay. Download. All right. So for context, it, it was the 20th anniversary of the festival this year. Oh, snap. I did not realize that. So... Uh, but also at the same time, Metallica are touring, doing a big world tour at the moment, mm. where they do two shows in the same city, like with two different set lists, like no no repeats at all. That's great because like their back catalogue is just ridiculous. Yeah, so. it's it, multiple decades at this point, isn't it? Um, uh, but the production they have with that is is insane. Yeah, like it's just, you know it's meant to be in a stadium in the round, so their stage is shaped like a donut, right? Yeah, and then every, oh, they have all these big towers with these big like we call them beer, the beer cans because the the screens wrap around them three sixty. Ooh, nice! So, so you know anywhere you are in the stadium, you can see it. And apparently, when the sound system is set up as it's meant to be, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's like in the round. When yeah, because like that yeah. is like I guess it was designed essentially for like theaters and like stadiums and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> so it sounds great in that setup, but like when you put it in a field, it it would it would sound amazing or terrible. I don't know. I feel like I'm going way too ham into technical things already. But like, nah, this is it. Like, you, especially when you work in this field and have done it. Like I've. I've been like an auxiliary part of that, like so I get what you're saying. Yeah, like they had the subwoofer, they had like twenty one inch drivers of the subwoofers, which sounds amazing. Except like it only goes like subs and then top boxes. Like, so like no mid, no, not really. Like if you're right next to the stage, which I was for one band, yeah, um, for Lorna Shaw, which is like deathcore. Pretty I, much. I know Lorna Shaw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just go listen if you don't know. Please, like, there'll be a link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll throw up a Spotify link or something. Um, but yeah, so like at the very, very front of the barrier, obviously it's going to sound like ass because you're mm. by the subs. And like, if you just step back like 15 meters, the vocals come in. Uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. But like, you got to find that like harmonic sweet spot. Like when yeah. you go to the cinema, if you're not sitting like in the middle, in the center, you're not getting like great audio. You're getting mm. like mediocre audio a lot of the time. Yeah, especially if you're like if you're sat at the back as well. You, you get the the back row a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> we can't talk about the back. Row, well, who who like. else? Who else did you see? Uh, oh God. So so you saw Metallica twice. Like that was great. But like the the thing is, it felt like if Metallica didn't weren't doing this amazing big tour. What else would have they have done for the 20th anniversary? Because mm. like they had a, they had an extra day of music, so normally it's a five day festival with three days in the arena. Yeah, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but obviously they had a Thursday this time, and it, okay, it, like more bands, great, it's it's cool, but like it's kind of showing its like corporate roots a bit now. Like, well, this is like this is how like most festivals that start off being like musical showcases after a long period of time tend to kind of 
deviate towards especially mm. as more hands get into it i would think like you yeah. know it's not like every festival can be like true fest and then even then it, that got to a point where like even the organizers couldn't decide what direction they wanted to take it in yeah like and they um yeah there were some bridges burnt with the like oh, set yeah. design team and various other <laughs> people that made it in more ways than people realized like yeah. oh dude like it's never always about like the people at the top it's the, like the creative teams that mm. are like just in the background you'll see them all every year all but, the time but like unless you go and like speak to them you don't really know who they are or what they do but they're like the lifeblood of how the festival runs and how it like you know functions and keeps going yeah like that kind of feeds back to the download thing quite well actually because it, it felt like there was no soul <laughs> like I, I, I can believe it like yeah. when we went to creamfields as great as it was and this was like eight years ago so i'm not sure exactly like how it is now it it i don't know it felt like it felt like a lot of the music being represented was just like the most popular of the time mm. rather than like you know aside from having like a chemical brothers live set which was incredible yeah. um it didn't really feel like uh, like you know we were also paying homage to like the things that got us there yeah and like did download have sort of its kind of you know bands that you would see like every year was like system there no i didn't have system so the headliners were like metallica on the thursday bring the horizon friday um metallica on the saturday and slipknot on the sunday so it gosh so like it was intense and it was baking hot the entire weekend which of course the weather is is, is part of the festival like uh, yeah yeah it's either it's either baking or it's a washout yeah and like, it's called drownload for a reason you know? <laughs> drownload. it happens so many times like the last time i went there when it was like the big big full festival like yeah, the yeah. village was on a grassy bit it rained like crazy and like it turns to mud but there was like a full-size kayak in the middle of the village like someone brought that with them and just left it there like oh yeah <laughs> but it was amazing because it was like why is this object here like what is going on like the, now it feels like that wouldn't ever happen like i don't know it's it was like campsite great uh, arena cool but like uh, i don't know it's not enough just to have a few bands on some stages anymore and i suppose this is only like the the second one back since covid yeah yeah it is so like it's just cool to have that many people in a space together again. Yeah, it still it still feels good, but it's like I think I don't know if people forgot how to behave over the pandemic. People do. Like, I'm sorry. Like I basically unsocialized myself, but I think it was to my benefit because mm. it made me like establish better boundaries with people and what I what I expect from interactions with people. But I think a lot of people didn't like have that self-reflective moment and they've just come back thinking that they like remember all this stuff and they're like just blustering through <laughs> yeah like, you know i guess like a lot of people are kind of maybe a bit more uncomfortable in big crowds than they used to be because it's not like it's so foreign now. it's unfamiliar yeah. yeah and it's something you gotta like you know especially as someone like like ourselves who went to shows as a teenager and then continued going to shows like and festivals all through our life 
being around large crowds of people while there's music playing is not something that's foreign to me but i feel like now because i haven't really been to well i think party boy was the first thing i went out to earlier this year um since special request in 2020 at the vaults and that was just before covid happened and i was pretty comfortable but i feel like i'm always going to be comfortable in those kinds of situations because it's like live music and you kind of just you just get into that whole thing and Mm. um like we didn't have any trouble socializing with random strangers as we always tend to do it kind of it's like you almost like crave it it's like you buy the ticket for the for the music but like it's everything around it which is the the random interactions yeah like meeting just people that you would never meet on like your daily life like and that's how a lot of our like friendship group formed like we wouldn't have met sean if not for Salador, because he's a doctor and like when are any of our friends going to interact with someone who's a doctor yeah like, like, generally yeah <laughs> I feel like even in like if we went drinking i mean we, I know we don't really do that like much at all really but like yeah you're right you would never have that opportunity to meet that person without that happening yeah exactly and like that's that's the great thing just about music mm. so like did you get to meet any randomers or uh, was it yeah a few like it was more with the camp like the people we were camping with you know you mm. just have a little chat with them but like we were kind of tucked away from the party area of like the campsite okay so you know it was more just like oh like you know how are you guys doing have a little chat you know up, up in the morning i think after. being being in the party area of a campsite is never as good as it kind of seems on the surface because oh. you do like especially as i'm getting older sleep <laughs> yeah sleep, sleep, sleep is like is good desired <laughs> it's, yeah we we camped like really far up like it was the furthest away from the village you could be which yeah it was really good and the camp like we were in a little valley and were, mm. at the tip of like we were so Downloads by a, a, an airport, right? Yeah, it's Donington Park, isn't it? Uh, that's the racetrack. That, yeah, that's so the racetrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, it's around the racetrack by the Midlands Airport. Mm. So like, we were so far away from where the planes landed and went over that like, we were on one side of the planes in the hill. We could see like them going between the trees, and Ryanair seems to be fucking up their landings more than anyone else. Oh, Ryanair! But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, we were so far away from the arena, right, that you would walk underneath the flight path to the other side of the planes like we, we was like over a hill under it like everything like that um but there was one part in the village by like the second comedy tent or whatever where if you laid on the floor and a plane was gonna land it felt like it was landing on your face and that was that was great like, <laughs> that, like um but like i don't know there was just something something off like maybe it's because it's like Metallica, Metallica, Slipknot, they've all played before multiple times. Yeah. Sli- um, Slipknot, Bream with Horizon were like, oh my fuck, that's how a headline set should be. Like, It's crazy to think that like, 17 years ago, they just released the fucking, uh, what even? Was it Is- Suicide Season? No, that was, that was the second album, but uh, the first album. Count Your Blessings? Count Your Blessings, yeah, with like, Pray for Plagues and a lot like Vegas. Mm. And like, when you think of like where they're at now, like it's just it, it's quite unbelievable because most deathcore bands kind of release two or three albums and just die because they don't really know what to do next, and you know they manage to get through their like experimental phase and really settle on a sound that 
clearly works for them if they can do like arena tours across the uk and sell out like consistently yes, i've only got i've uh, only got high praise for bring me the horizon even if i don't necessarily listen to their modern stuff like i think the last album i properly listened to was sempaternal oh yeah. that's a good yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. in you know shadow moses <laughs> there's, yeah, there's so many bangers of that like but it was really weird because like the first ever festival I went to um, was Reading Festival 2008 mm. uh, on the Sunday. Metallica were headlining. Yeah. Uh, there was meant to be loads of other bands that pulled, like Avenged Sevenfold were meant to play, pulled out. Slipknot were meant to play, pulled out. Uh, so the opening act brought in the last minute, like as in like hours before the set, was uh, Bring the Horizon to open the stage. Oh. And they got bottled, like everything, wood chippings thrown at them. And Jesus. like the whole set was just the standard, like two, the deathcore stuff on the two first releases yeah and then it was the day after they released chelsea smile on myspace oh my lord so like that was a fucking tune yeah yeah <laughs> like, so the entire set right they're getting bottled everything and then they start playing this song and suddenly eight circle pits open up and this is like and it's crazy yeah. because it's like it's not that far removed from what they were doing on the ep or on count your blessings it was just like i, I guess it's because he there was a lot I guess there's more clarity in like the consideration of what how he's delivering his vocals and stuff yeah, it, because like, he yeah. had to basically stop doing what he was doing because he was damaging his voice which is a uh, like you know it's a treacherous area when you do those, kind, those kinds of vocals there's so many vocalists that have left the seed or like just can't do it anymore and th this is why people like uh, like have you heard of Melissa Cross yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Zen of screaming. Like she's literally trained most people, including people like Dave Grohl and like Keith Bl Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die, and like just train them in how to like maintain their voice while doing these extreme vocals because extreme vocals are just another form of expression. And it really helped me to like appreciate just like the art of like screaming and different types of screaming whether you're growling from your belly or doing fry vocals in your throat and things like that and like you know it's just it just amazes me that people aren't willing to like even listen to this oh, kind of yeah, music that's, sometimes that's quite a weird thing isn't it sometimes like the screaming vocal style the harsh vocals whatever you want to call yeah. it and then suddenly someone's like oh i can't listen anymore and it's like but, but just, just, come on like, like just and, try like yeah. you might find something you like exactly like, and i mean like i got into those kinds of vocals through like punk music and then when i got into gothic metal like there's this whole like beauty and the beast aesthetic because you'll have like uh, an operatically trained like female vocalist traditionally and then like growly metal man and yeah. it's just like <laughs> it's like that's literally what it was like if you listen to like after forever or like early within temptation or like some nightwish tunes and like lacuna coil and things like that yeah. like that that was their aesthetic and that was that was what got me like into the genre because you know my first exposure to that was like evanescence would bring me to life and i was like okay these are really good and everyone's like oh that's fucking goth music that is and oh, it's just like yeah, okay okay fair enough but i still like it i want to find more like it and at that time a lot of the like artists like within temptation nightwish and that that i was finding on like file sharing services because that was the only place you could get this kind of stuff yeah. like it, they they had no exposure yet in the uk so like they were signed to like re record labels like nuclear blast or transmission or like century media so 
they weren't getting a lot of like you know promotion or exposure in the uk not until like uh 2004 for nightwish with nemo when well, that yeah, came out like, even the wish... music video like yeah. music video channels like pushed it hard the same with like evanescence yeah like, the same just... with like lacuna coil they released they re-released their 2003 album Kamali's like in 2004 with like a second cd with acoustic versions of their songs um and that was how they sort of like broke out which was all thanks pretty much to like bring me to life blowing up yeah like, it's it's weird how like that was quite a nice homage for like the you know saying like what did download do whatever like yeah um the download was the first ever uk appearance of evanescence mm. they, they put them on for the first time in the uk and i know that they did like a couple of years ago i know they had nightwish uh, and they were like performing in the rain. Oh my god! I was and there. that was that when was... that was when Flora Janssen from oh. After Forever had just taken over as vocalist that, as well. That performance was like it was perfect. Like honestly, like it was there was uh, main support to Iron Maiden, and it rained their entire set. And it was like they had fire, they had the outfits. That's like, the perfect this aesthetic. Is so like, cool. Like, <laughs> no, and like no one will ever be able to recreate that because mm-hmm. like it's that's just sheer luck. But yeah. like. But yeah, um, Evanescence did uh, they headlined the second stage one day this year. That is great. Like it's I, yeah. I saw them in like Wembley in 2013. Ooh, and it yeah, it was really good. It was a really good show. And like, I don't think Amy Lee gets as much respect as she deserves as a vocalist because like, her she, like she filled out Wembley Stadium with her voice and like. I know that there's like a lot of like live performances people will point to where she's like out of breath and stuff, but in all honesty, like that's a day by day, case by case basis. Because yeah, like yeah. sometimes, like I saw like every time I die, like four or five times as a teenager, and sometimes Keith would sound like shit, and sometimes he would sound like the best he's ever sounded, better than he does on record, and it's just like yeah okay maybe they'd like not had much sleep that day or like they'd been drinking or whatever yeah like like, isn't that like kind of the fun of live music though because like you're going to see a band live like if the performance I don't want to hear playback of the I don't want to hear the literal thing yeah yeah Yeah. like if you're gonna if a string snaps live and you have to suddenly play something else or whatever yeah yeah. you don't want woe is me drums oh god we went to see woe is me the SCU and they had like they didn't have a bassist so they have a, a Mac yeah, the bass line. and then the drummer who can't even play the drums because it was all programmed on computer would just step away from the drums while the drums were still going. Yeah, there was. Oh, yeah, that's that's a whole other like episode right there. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, download is called cool. download. I think I'm I'm a bit like butthurt maybe that Metallica played twice, and I just it's cool if you're a fan. It would have been amazing, but if you don't care, you'd be like. Yeah, they're Every... taking two headline slots yeah. essentially, whereas you know they could have got like Ozzy Osbourne, Foo Fighters, mm. like someone who has headlined before. Like, fuck it, bring Limp Biscuit back because you know they did their Coachella performance as like Dad Durst, yeah. and like they killed it. I listened to like their more recent stuff, and I'm like, you know what? If you just turn your brain off and imagine you're still like 14, 15, this is fire. Yeah. Like, and that's, I don't mean to say that with any kind of disrespect because they're like all really good songwriters, they're, but they're just, you know, having fun with music. They're not trying to make a statement or like get too deep or introspective. Like, well, yeah, it's, um, it is pretty sad because one of the supports for their like next UK tour, I think it's like, it's Limp Biscuit headline with Pendulum and some, someone else. Yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird mix, but they had like, um, I think the opening band were playing one of the stages and they're called like Black and Gold. It's almost like 
like babby babby limbiscuit oh like, nice but with a bit more hardcore in it and like oh uh, okay more... like leaning on like D's nuts kind yeah, of type yeah, maybe, aesthetic like, <laughs> more like hip hop leanings as well because like a DJ that, you, that actually does stuff and, oh okay nice yeah and like that was just silly music because by the end of the sh- you know, end of the set, I'd do a group photo and then they're like, "Oh shit, guys, the police!" And then like a guy dressed up as a British police officer like chases them <laughs> off the stage, and like the entire time we're just like, "This is dumb, but this is pretty fun actually," you know. Like, and that's what like as much as like I do love, especially like with electronic music, how like you can just use sound to like explore emotions and use textures in sound to explore emotions. Sometimes you just want to like forget about life for a bit and that's what like live shows are all about you just forget about like the world for like 90 minutes and just go off somewhere else like i know rick james said something like that like as an entertainer if he can just take you somewhere else for like a period of time and make you forget about your problems then like he feels he 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 felt he succeeded in his role as a performer well yeah because it's it's a full thing isn't it it's not just like i'm going to play my songs perfectly on stage it's like i'm gonna give you a show yeah like i'm here to i'm here to have fun and make sure you have fun too yeah it kind of backfire though did you watch any of glastonbury at all uh i the only thing i really know about glastonbury is that lewis capaldi had a hard time because of like adjusting to his tourettes um and like there was a lot of crowd support and i think that was a really like important moment in like musical history and just like human history because we got to see how people with disabilities really are living in the like uk and around the world like it's not always just like what we're able to like mask it's like sometimes the things that affect us are all like front and center and this is what it's really like so like that moment was really cool and then like to hear that the crowd like helped by singing along with all this music yeah like they just they sort of like catch on and then just like start like really going for it that was that is great yeah it's cool but yeah i know i don't like i've always had like a weird thing about glastonbury because it's it's obviously like a very important festival but i've never been like drawn to go there yeah it's like i i worked i worked there once and i say work as it like i got broken and got to do my thing you know, yeah in, like, a certain area but like um it's huge like it's it's massive but like i think my weird counterpoint you know you're saying about the like running around like doing an entertaining show versus delivering your record like live yeah like when Guns N' Roses came out, I mean... Oh, I heard they, they got slaughtered pretty like, much. Yeah, like, Axl Rose, like, first track, you know, like, immediately starts running around the stage like a goblin, which is fine, but, like, it, was, it felt like he was, like, two octaves below record while singing, and, like, it was almost like the guy that was in charge of the mix for TV was just like, we're just going to bring you down a bit, we're just going to bring you down, like, and then, it, like... It was just like, what the... Just stand still and do the songs, please, because people barely want you to be there, like, come on. Yeah, especially like, you know, so like Axl Rose is a person and whatever your opinion on him might be, I was a fan, but then like, I don't know, reading too much stuff and like reading all this pretentious stuff kind of just put me off him and put me off listening to his music. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. Yeah. That's, that's just my experience of it. But yeah, if you already struggle to sing the songs that you wrote, like 30 years ago or like even older probably for like appetite of destruction like 
if you're already like if you're already getting gassed trying to do vocals that like trying to match what you did years ago why are you running around the stage and not really focused on like trying to nail the performance that you can do? yeah yeah because like when like like you know saw the first 15 minutes on like watched it and i was like okay i can't like i'm not even gonna force myself to do this yeah. and then like a few days later they're playing like highlights on the radio and mm. they played um paradise city like and that it had glimmers of like wait this is right this sounds correct okay but it was like oh if only he like that was like every song yeah yeah and like i don't know play maybe play a shorter set and just go completely ham and then people are like oh shit what that that was guns and roses well basically not every artist can be pink and be like swinging from like trapeze wire across mm. the stage and still nail like every vocal <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i think it's not really a criticism like that i just i don't know like you're old that come on like don't be running a rat like yeah dude yeah. like you gotta show a bit of decorum like mm. you gotta be like robert smith just stand there with your guitar just do your thing do your business clock off go have fun yeah yeah because it's, yeah, it's like you're invited to play that like it's a privilege and like it almost felt like they should have been headlining a day of download maybe but i don't think they'll ever get invited back because last time they played they started a riot so Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't there. I don't know, but I just heard about it, and it's like it bad, bad. I might have to read. It's been very about interesting. That. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! But yeah, but yeah it was Down- download. Yeah, go see Lorna Shaw if you can. Seriously, that was the one time it was like this is a festival now. Like right <laughs> in the front, like circle for every song, stepping back a little bit. It was so dry that like dust storms were forming from the circle pit. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, oh man, this this feels good. You know, like, there's a little bit of danger here. This is good. This is really good. <laughs> if, there, if there's a risk of you getting a black eye, it's a good time. <laughs> oh yeah, you know about that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I do. Oh yeah, go see Continents live too. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, shout-outs to Phil. Hope your recovery is going well. Like, I see that they've had announced more tour dates, so I guess... Yeah, yeah. Must, uh, But, like, big up Phil and the boys. Oh, yes. Right. But anyway, moving on. So I've been playing some video games. Yeah, you, you've been playing... Uh, I've been playing... Well, mainly I've been playing two video games. I've been playing Street Fighter Six, which came out at the beginning of June, and I've been playing Final Fantasy Sixteen. uh which came out last week um so just to start off street fighter 6 is great it might be one of the best fighting games ever made it just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like it it keeps this like because a lot of people were worried about this game because there are a lot of new things that have been added especially some like so what we'll just go through like what's new what's like consistent so like what's consistent is that the fundamentals of street fighter is still there you still got to learn like spacing you got to learn how to like punish people and play properly and there's a a whole lot of like tutorials and guides in the game that kind of help you to learn all this stuff and there's even like you know match-up tutorials so it teaches you how to like anti-air against different characters and things Ah, like that so it it, like it does everything it can to help you like just be better at the game and it gives you like trial combos as well to practice so that you like like if you're in a match and you get like a a counter hit you know exactly how to kind of capitalize on that and like get the most damage Uh, out of your like punish as possible so like would you say that like it feels like a street fighter game oh it is definitely like it feels like they took the best bits of street fighter 4 street fighter 5 street fighter 3 
they took like all the really important bits of those games and just dialed them up to like 11 and there was a worry that like having a small roster of characters like having only 18 characters would feel kind of like 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 there wasn't enough variance but um and this is only because when street fighter 5 launched there were only 16 characters and a lot of them were the world warriors which is like the first eight that launched with street fighter 2 and there wasn't a lot of like variety in how those characters played in uh, honesty, okay, street yeah. fighter 5 was pretty bare bones so with street fighter 6 it felt like they took on like all of the criticism that they received and like just kind of the comments based on like what happened with street fighter 5 and was just like okay what can we do to avoid that happening again and every character feels fun to play i like even characters that historically over like the 30 years of me playing this series i've never wanted to play they still they feel like oh, like okay. actually quite enjoyable like blanca and ed honda and Zangief or like who like characters that I don't typically play as because they're just not my kind of style but like through playing on like arcade mode and doing their trials like I can see myself you know giving them a go online maybe against other people yeah it's it's interesting that you say about like the developer like taking on feedback because it seems like with especially with fighting games is that like the competitive scene is so big and obviously when a new game comes out that becomes the that's the game now like mm -hmm. It, like and yeah. dude for Evo which is happening in August uh, Street Fighter 6 has the most entrance any game has received in the history of Evo and it's like over 6,000 entrance like, oh, God. so like, yeah it's gonna be fire like how are you supposed to even like cut that down to a so basically what happens is they'll run like pools like because it runs over three days like friday saturday sunday so they'll run like pools on like friday maybe early saturday depending on like just how much space they need to like run them and like some pools will be like streamed live on twitch so you'll be able to watch them uh with like commentators who are like longtime players people who've won evo before and stuff like that um and then as it as it gets down and down then you'll get like top 48 and then top 24 from that and then it'll do like top 16 and then top eight uh so like the video i was watching earlier was the top eight of mortal kombat from like ceo 2023 oh and I nice. think that would yeah, have had yeah. about like 1200 entrants or something so oh, yeah, okay, they yeah. just like and like how competitions work for fighting games is that like uh they're double elimination so if if you just win all the way along like if you get to like winners finals and lose you'll go into losers finals and if you win that you'll end up still at grand finals because you need to lose two sets oh, okay. to like be eliminated so, but then when you yeah. get to grand finals you have to win two sets then because you're essentially coming from losers side so okay, you have to so, essentially reset yeah. the bracket and then it's just it's just so much fun and like grand final like grand finals can be like an hour long because it's like it's best of five so it's the first person to win three matches but that can be yeah. ten games like ten ten like matches in inside the set so like with the double elimination thing does it like kick in at a certain point in the in the competition yeah, like, so it, like if you I, make it to this point now it's double elimination no it's just straight up so like if you lose the first set, you're going to losers then. But like that, like because yeah, so like of the, like say the six thousand players, um, 
say like you know the first three thousand win so they'll go on and then like the three thousand who lost will then play like at their second games and then to, and then like the winners just play against each other and then the losers play against each other until like it's essentially like until everyone's knocked out yeah uh, but yeah so like they did a lot to just address and like the systems they've put in the game so they've added modern controls which kind of function like how smash brothers plays so like instead of having to learn like quarter circle motions on the d-pad or like z inputs or like half circles you can just hold you can hold auto and press like light medium or heavy buttons and it will automatically do a combo for you and oh, like there's okay, also yeah. like a special button which will do a special move and if you hold like a d-pad directional button button and press special or like hard punch auto and special it'll do like your super move for you so it's basically just to help people who might have accessibility issues because like um and i know from reading like comments online from people there are people who have been playing street fighter for like 30 years like i have who have disabilities who now feel like they can actually compete online because modern controls gives them the option because they're not struggling to do like Z inputs uh, on their D-pad, which is like pressing forward, down, forward, Mm. Um, like to then do like a dragon punch move. Like, so it's just really cool. And like the characters, the the new characters they've introduced are all really fun. Um, It almost feels like a lot of the new characters are like designed to appeal to a younger audience but they still have like that street fighter cool aesthetic to them oh yeah because like the styling of the game like, i remember when like when street fighter 4 came out like oh, visually yeah. like oh wow, that was a beautiful game to look at like, and that game was so important because a lot of people thought that like 2d fighting games were pretty much dead uh like Mortal Kombat as a series was struggling at that time um, because they they'd moved to like 3D with like Deception and Deadly. Oh yeah, so the, the like 2D that. and the 3D is like it's the movement of the characters within the environment. Yeah, as well, yeah. Isn't it? So like 2D fighting games are like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. Um, even though they're like 3D models now, like it's still a 2D plane. Yeah. So, but then like you've got 3D fighters. So you've got like Soul Calibur, Tekken, Dead or Alive, Virtua Fighter. Um, so like they basically like they're about like eight way directional movement so like like learning how to move within the plane is a really important aspect of it whereas with 2D fighters it's about like spacing and learning like how far your buttons go Um, yeah because it seems like with the like like the thing with Smash you know you're saying about like modern controls but with Smash you can do like some like you you jam the stick left and then press A at the right time and it'll do it really quickly while if you use like the C stick it'll do the same move but it might take a little bit longer to begin is it is it similar with that as well or is it like so like um, even if you play on modern controls you can do like the original inputs for the moves and you won't like receive the penalty that you get for playing with modern controls so there is like a, a minor damage reduction for doing modern like auto combos but like if you can do like a Z input when you need to, that then it will give you like the the actual damage you need. And like some characters have like charge times for their moves. So like that'll either involve like holding a direction and then pressing the option opposite direction of the punch. Like so that's like Guile's Sonic Boom input. But if you do the timing for that like perfectly he'll say perfect instead of sonic boom and it will actually have different properties in the move so like his like projectile will move faster um and like luke the character i play 
he's got a move called flash knuckle but if you hold the punch button until you see a little flash on his knuckle on the screen he'll say perfect and like the move will like have different properties to it so like there are like there's loads of little systems within characters to learn and like a lot of people in the run-up to the game being launched were calling it like stock fighter five uh, (laughs) stock fighter six because like kimberly has her like spray can pipe bomb things and like manon has like these medals because she's like a judo judo using ballet dancer whenever she uses a command throw on you she gets a medal and what the medals do is they increase the damage that the next command throw will do and she can get up to five medals and like the animations also change with each medal increase yeah see like that that whole system like the idea of getting like visual feedback for doing things correctly is like is really good because in some games you're like it's like some moves aren't hidden but they're like it's a secret but if you you might accidentally do it while playing just casually and not even know what you've done and then you can't even begin to like what is it what happened while someone who like goes and looks at like the meta or like how do i main max this character yeah like they'll know but like having somewhere it meets in the middle where you do get like this oh cool something happened i'm gonna do it again yeah oh that and then like and the game like has all these systems and like has character guides within it that teach you how to do all these things and like it will show you setups like so kimberly she's in like a ninja girl and she's really cool she's the first she's like the first like a like african-american woman character to feature in street fighter and the character the design for her is really cool and she's just great character it's really refreshing to see a black character that isn't a caricature come out of japan so like um yeah that that's a whole other like rabbit hole that is a whole other rabbit hole because we've had like there there is a game earlier this year that came out and as cool as it is the black characters like body shape is that of like a gorilla and it's just like are we not past this kind of like stereotyped character design yeah that's <laughs> but yeah we won't go there no, we're no, gonna no, continue to like... talk about street fighter yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah like so i've been playing online i'm like almost at gold rank i'm stuck at silver five and i just keep kind of i keep getting in my head because i like i'm like oh i know how my character functions but i'm playing against people who know better how their character functions so i'm like I'll win like one one match in a set of three and I won't necessarily gain or lose any points but I'm not moving forward so ah oh, see it's it's weird because isn't there like a whole thing with like there's something to like counter lag online isn't there oh yeah so the netcode in this game is GGPO rollback netcode and it is honestly like the best implementation in any fighting game I've seen so far which is really good because Street Fighter V's netcode wasn't very good and basically if you're not putting rollback netcode into your fighting games now you're doing like your players a disservice so what rollback netcode does is it kind of like based on your connection with another person it has like what's called rollback frames so essentially like the game kind of uh, tries to predict what you're going to do next so when you're doing like a combo and things like that and essentially if that doesn't happen it will roll it back um uh but like what what we used to have is delay based netcode so like there would be like four or five frames of delay between when you press your button and when it comes out and when games already have like 
a, a base level of input lag because of that's just how consoles and controllers work especially now we're in a wireless age yeah. um and with hd tvs they're not oh, there's, as, there's, there's, there's so more many, input like, lag than yeah. like crt tvs and back in the day so like it, it it's just one of the best implementations and it's like and when you consider like that uh, the other game that i think has a really good implementation of it guilty gear when you get up to like 200 ms connection with another person the game can pretty much become like unplayable because it's just like it, there will literally be visual slowdown oh, within the game no. yeah because like i guess it, it's it's good to hear it, it it being implemented well because like i don't really play fighting games but also like i play smash bros online sometimes mm. and you can tell that like nintendo don't like nintendo developed games for japan with, with multiplayer mind because the internet is insanely good so mm. like they don't have issues with lag or whatever yeah while like as soon as you try and do it in the uk oh my god it's it's almost unplay it's infuriatingly unplayable and i know that as well like they don't really see smash as like a tournament like or competitive game it's a party game mm. especially to like the developer sakurai but and like even when he like he'll accidentally talk about going into like um like plus frames and frame data on attacks and things like that he'll go oh wait i'm not really supposed to talk about that and stop talking about it <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny how it's like the tournaments for that like the competitive scene for that is very healthy and like oh yeah in-person tournaments are almost like they have to happen so people can play the game yeah which is good to have that weird thing but it feels like people love this game so much they're willing to put up with this and accommodate the, you know it's not like i don't know like it, the co the community for that game is so dedicated. They made their own bastardized version of the GameCube thing, patched oh, it themselves, yeah, yeah, and then like created their own netcode for it. That like their oh, own is backbone, that using, so, like Dolphin. It's yeah, yeah. I think it's using Dolphin. It's it's sort of semi banned now by Nintendo because you know you can't make our own game better than we can. Like how dare you? Yeah, and plus like a lot of people will be like pirating the game to play it on that so like yes. there is, is very much a grey area because mm. I can't remember what it's called like we'll have to put there'll be something on the show notes about it because it's fascinating what how the whole thing was working but like I think that's why the new the latest iteration of Smash is like everybody's here it's everything everything is here like but now yeah. what happens in like I mean it's been five years almost since smash ultimate came out has it yeah it was like november 2018 oh, i'm late to the party with games <laughs> i don't buy games on launch so i don't even know like release dates or anything anymore it's like there are like there are like two devs i buy games from at launch like or publishers the capcom and the square enix <laughs> and like the two games we're talking about today what, is, yeah, street they're... fighter 6 is capcom and final fantasy 16 is square enix and like that's just because i'm like i know i'm gonna enjoy those games and i'm gonna play like a large amount of hours on them um and like yeah and in all honesty a lot of publishers now is worth just waiting a couple of months and just getting the game at half price in a sale yeah because like, i think it's it's like with, i guess with console games it's a little bit different because like you know it's like it's developed for the hardware that's sat in your room like yeah it's going to work it's not going to be completely broken and unplayable but like with pc or too could... much variability too yeah. many different setups to like account for yeah. so like yeah you, you do always get like issues with pc stuff and it's i think it's it's always worse with like like starfield which is a new game coming from bethesda it's going to come out soon um and it's it's so moddable that i think one 
one like rogue developer or like a modder has basically said i will add these graphical features to the game within 48 hours of it coming out the developer could just do it themselves like you're lazy if you don't do this like add these basic graphical features dude on, like what why not like um like just to go off on a bit like when dark souls came to pc oh yeah so they literally like from soft this was like their first pc release and they launched it locked at 720p and at 30 fps and uh a modder called Durante within like two hours of the game coming out had released a mod that allowed you to uncap the resolution and uncap the frame rate mm. without affecting performance it's just like some 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 devs just really struggle with PC development, and it always surprises me that someone like Bethesda does because a lot of their games were like PC orientated before they came to consoles, and it wasn't until like Oblivion and Fallout Three that their games really gained popularity or notoriety on console. Yeah, it's some it's a weird kettle of fish now. Because Plus, like... Creation Engine is just a bit of a mess but that's because that's because they're trying to do so many things with it and the physics within the engine is crazy and if you move like a thing it doesn't necessarily reset its position it saves that position because you moved it and that's like that was a key problem with like how Skyrim performed on PS3 so because like every single rock or whatever you touched moved it would have to store that data and it would get to a point where like your save file would be 50 meg or whatever and it would get to a point where the game can't keep like adding more to the save file because it would be lowering the frame rate trying to hold all of that information in memory it would it would chug like yeah. watching watch up someone play it out on like first gen not first gen like 360 or playstation was like a painful experience because it's like if if you break if you say you like kept putting watermelons inside your house or whatever object like <laughs> eventually you're gonna you're gonna make it have an unplayable corrupted save yeah and you like, have to start the whole game again and on pc you could be like oh i don't like the way the ui is the menus look a bit too big ah oh, someone's already done this cool we're gonna fix this oh the money looks a bit bad let's upgrade that you know, hd mm-hmm. texture pack there's so much crazy stuff you could do and it's cool that they still accommodate all this stuff but like it also bites them in the ass so like i don't know i'm not buying stuff i'm not gonna buy starfield for probably a cut a few years but like I, I don't know, like, it's going to be funny to see how quick all these problems get well, fixed. Well, it, it, like, I'd say that we need to give Bethesda the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they're saying that the game is going to be a locked 30 FPS. They said that the game could go up to higher. This is on console, anyway. They said that it could go higher. At, at points, it did run at nearly 60 FPS. But there was too much variance to have it have like an uncapped frame rate version which uh, is fair yeah that's because like uh like uh, i'm playing final fantasy 16 at on like graphics mode which is a locked 30 fps most of the time um because if you play it on performance modes what it does to try and maintain 60 fps is do it does like dynamic resolution scaling yeah so it's like when you go into battle it'll be like 720p and i'm not here in 2023 to be playing games at a resolution that i was at 15 years ago that's See, not a thing like so <laughs> with the graphics mode are you playing it in like 4k uh, or is it? It's like it's I, it beyond is, like it is 4K 30, I believe. Okay, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that's a nice way to go on to Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. So, um, just for someone like you who hasn't ever played the series, like, Final Fantasy yeah. is an anthology series. So each entry is a different story with a different set of characters. And there will be like recurring characters or recurring like sort of animals or enemies and items that appear across the series so like you'll always have potions high potions elixirs ethers you'll always have chocobos tomberries generally like cactuars like as monsters there'll always be a character called sid um <laughs> and the sid in this one is just amazing um but yeah, Final Fantasy 16 is like... So Final Fantasy started out as a turn-based RPG series. So um, it was essentially like your your characters based on what their speed stat was. They would like take their turn and then the boss would take a turn and then your characters would then take their turn again. Because that was like the side-by-side. Like, yeah, so like field. you'd have your characters on the one side and like your boss or whatever you're fighting on the left. Um, and then with like later releases final fantasy like four five and six you'd have like uh, an atb bar so you'd have to wait for the bar to fill up and then once it's filled up filled up you could take your turn and the things that fit there like you could have different spells or like your speeds that it like affect how quickly that bar fills up oh yeah because the speed stats in some games that like, had like if you're the fastest character you can attack first but if you're the fastest yeah. you're not necessarily the strongest so like yeah. this is, uh, it's yeah. about like and a lot of games like yeah the, the stats and especially with jobs in those games they would be balanced to like kind of you know like if you've got like high damage and like high speed you probably have quite low defense and like you know mages can do like a lot of magic damage but you're better off putting them in like the back row because oh yeah the, 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 the there's the, rows and stuff but like all of that is out of the window with Final Fantasy 16 because it plays more like an action RPG. So it plays a bit more like Kingdom Hearts, but also because the combat director of this game, Yota Suzuki, um, he did the combat for Devil May Cry 4 and Devil May Cry 5. So the combat system in Final Fantasy 16 is very much inspired by that. Um, and it almost feels like you're playing... Uh, a hybrid of Dante and Nero from Devil May Cry so like where to start with the battle system you've got these uh, creatures called icons um, they're summon monsters that have appeared in previous entries in the series so like you've got like you returning summons like Ifrit, Ramu, Shiva like they all represent different elements but like they all have different moves and within the battle system like uh depending on what type of enemy you're fighting like there's a health bar and there's like a will bar which is like i guess like a stagger bar or like a stamina bar yeah. and like different abilities will affect either like damaging the health bar more or like the stagger bar more so when you have like do you i probably need to look at this i've, I've for context i've i've not seen any of the footage of this game or how it works or at all but like if so are you controlling single characters you're, you're controlling one character, one character and a dog okay and the dog is a good boy their yeah. name is Torgal they're you, great can you pet the dog you can pet the dog yes you can pet the dog yes <laughs> and there's even a trophy for petting the dog so yeah nice but um like yeah so like the battle system it like forces you to play like quite stylishly and think about like dodging moves and like when you do dodge a move you can follow up with an attack or a magic spell and like 
it, it's all about like playing strategically. Yeah. So uh, do you get that kind of like fluid feeling to it? Very much so. And like, um, it like as the game opens up and you get more of these icons, you like can have you can assign essentially three to you like rotate between like uh, him, okay. picture them like being like um like having different types of weapons mm. but it's just spells and like abilities instead um and then as you like master their abilities you can then like say like have one icon as like your main thing but you can use the abilities from another icon if you've mastered it so like if you like one ability from bahamut but you like using shiva's like main support ability you can assign one of bahamut spells to shiva which is wicked because it just means like combat is very much free form and very much about like your own personal expression and like what you like and what feels good to you so with, with that are you like playing as do you kind of not hot swap characters but do you kind of like you rotate between your icon and then that changes what like your square and triangle abilities are oh, okay, so like yeah. what your face buttons do but to kind of go back um so this final fantasy is very much inspired by game of thrones um which oh. like so like um it's got like a medieval setting sadly like most of the cast like the main cast is white <laughs> Um, and that, that did cause like an uproar because there aren't really any black characters. There are brown skin characters, so like there is representation for people of color, but like not a great amount. And in all honesty, I'm not very keen on what the game did to a lot of like the main women characters in the game because of like they, they kind of just get fridged. Oh, uh, is it just like not like they get damseled in distress or uh, just get well, like just cliche kind of like? But then like there are really great side characters like your merchant Karen who is like voiced by a woman from Scarborough and she's just mint. She's always like quipping you. She's like it better all be here and all that stuff and it's just like you're robbing me blind, you know? Are you buying <laughs> stuff from her? And it's wicked. Like and all the voice cast is pretty much like British voice actors and it's even a character voiced by Angus from Peep Show oh like, god that's like it's yeah. wicked because we were listening to him and I was like I know this voice I've heard this voice before so I went on to like IMDB and I was like Angus Wright oh my god is the character from season 9 of Peep Show it's, oh, it's so funny that like sometimes you can recognise someone's likeness in a game. well not likeness it's their voice isn't their it? literal like, voice yeah you're like, I, I know this like you don't know where but like I yeah, and there, there are there are a lot of people like like there's a couple of um, actors who were in Game of Thrones who are voicing characters in this like oh, then like cool. Sid who is what, essentially one of your party members he is there in battle but is not a character you can control but Ralph Edison who is a character in Game of Thrones I don't know his character because I've never watched the show but like his voice is amazing and like he's really hot as well as a character <laughs> like everyone, everyone's like this is the best Sid has ever been oh um, it's like the internet like found his new oh, yeah, boyfriend the, internet, <laughs> the internet's found a new boyfriend yeah for sure um, but you play as a character called Clive and the game starts in medias res so you start like uh, during one time period and then there's a flashback to when you're younger and like how basically the empire betrayed like the the duchy and killed your father and your brother dies or so you think uh, <laughs> i'm gonna okay. get into heavy spoiler territory yeah, yeah, like so we can't really talk about it properly yeah because like it's uh, funny what you're saying about um 
like because I always thought that with the numbering system in the game that like you had to start the first one. No, no, no. So, yeah, but I guess with the timeline switching as well, the games aren't in like chronological order either, are they? Is it they're, just, like... they're not even all set in the same universe. Like oh, okay. they all have just different worlds and different like kind of philosophies within those worlds. But yeah, within this one, um, people are born as like either like just they can't use magic or they're a dominant which means they like pretty much are like the embodiment of an icon or they're a bearer which means they can use the power of an icon but if they do they essentially eventually turn to stone <laughs> yeah it's kind of fucked okay. but so like you play as this guy called clive his his family gets fucked up and he becomes a slave then to the empire and then he gets rescued by sid and the story then is essentially his his quest for revenge, but it gets way deeper and way cooler. And like, what they wanted to do with the game is kind of essentially make it so that like there aren't that many cutscenes, and what you would have seen as cutscenes before, you're kind of playing them instead. So it's very much inspired by like Bayonetta and like. Um, Ashura's Wrath or like another Capcom game where like you're doing these giant monster battles but you're actually controlling the monsters instead of just watching them fight each other oh, which is cool. really cool yeah because like, it seems like with some games like it'll it'll like take you out of the action or like cut suddenly while you're playing you're like oh I was really into it then something crazy will happen and then like oh the battle's over or something something yeah. changes massively and like, it's whereas like... like you know you're pretty much doing all the cool crazy shit all the time and it's really good because like as you do each like main boss fight you're like there's no way they're ever gonna top that and then the next boss fight comes along and you're like oh my fucking god you just <laughs> You just got like this, this childlike grin on your face, and you're just laughing at how ridiculous everything is, and it's so cool because yeah, it's yeah. just like, uh, there's one bit where you do like a fusion dance with your brother, and like the phoenix and Ifrit icons join together, and you're fighting this giant dragon in space, and like dodging lasers and shit, and shooting massive fireballs and stuff, and it's just like. We're literally playing an anime at this point. It's fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> like, it's it's funny what you say about like the different like time periods and stuff. Because like, what wasn't the one of the previous entries like Boy Band Simulator? Wasn't that the oh, joke? Oh, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah, yeah, we drive yeah, around so in the like, car, driving around as like four dudes. I really didn't like Final Fantasy Fifteen, and I feel like this game just did like everything I wanted from that game better. But like there is like a, a large audience for Final Fantasy 15 it's sold a lot of copies and in all honesty it's probably the Final Fantasy in the last 15 years or so that has been the closest to what Final Fantasy was but Final Fantasy 15 had like a really long development cycle it spent 10 years in development essentially and it was originally called Final Fantasy Versus 13 because Square announced like this whole series called The Fabula Nova Crystallis in 2006 which featured Final Fantasy 13 Versus 13 and, uh, and a, a title called Final Fantasy Ag Agito 13 which then got re renamed to Type 0 it's it's just it's all pretty crazy like because and it's well documented online. I'll link a really good video from Super Eye Patch Wolf in the notes, which 
kind of discusses why Final Fantasy 15 is a bit of a disappointment, but it also talks about the development of the game and like how it came to be what it was. But with Final Fantasy 16, uh, I I feel like it's just like a nine out of ten game because the battle system is incredible, the story and the world building is really really good, but like where they leaned on like the most Final Fantasy tropes, I kind of felt like it was very jarring, especially since they were going for like this medieval game of thrones type aesthetic and then suddenly we're killing god which typically what ha- is typically what happens with jrpgs you start off like killing rats or something and then by the end like by 100 hours in you're like level 99 and killing god that's just a, that's just a typical final fantasy thing but it feels so jarring in this game because it's just kind of like I, I i almost felt like they could have just done a slice of life final fantasy where like we're just trying to help this world survive and try and break these like cycles of slavery and things yeah, like it would, that it would be quite an interesting take from like a player's perspective to if you like were like working or like say there was some sort of like big scale hero power creep or like battle happening but you're like in the sides or you hear about it or you have to like i don't know fix the village after this thing you know like yeah or you and, hear like, about it what like, you yeah. like and like with this game with the side quests they do a lot to help build the world and even just completing side quests in one part of the world npc dialogue in different areas of the world will change based on you completing that side quest and it's really cool in that regard because then you'll go and speak to npcs and it'll have like a dialogue option for you to hear about what their thoughts about what an event is so that's cool which like and that you can definitely see where like that kind of because this is the team that has like developed and like produced most of the final fantasy 14 expansions like the mmorpg so like this was their chance to make a single player game and okay. like so that some of the side quests do feel very mmo-esque and that is one like criticism kill 20 rats like, yeah, yeah or like go and pick three things up after fighting a group of enemies and it's like that's like and yeah sure that's like mundane and boring but the world building you get from just doing those quests and the items you get and just like the dialogue and, and character interactions you get like there's a side character called Gav who I will protect with my life because like he starts off he's just your scout guy but like over the course of the game and over the course of doing like side quests with him you get to like build a like relationship with his character and have some real like emotional moments with them and it's just like that's something that has been missing from a lot of like recent Final Fantasies because a lot of the time in a Final Fantasy game, while you do go through different towns and interact with different parts of the world, unless you're part of like the main cast, you don't necessarily have to ever interact with anyone in those towns aside from merchants if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. So but like, wouldn't that, that kind of like the changing world makes it feel bigger, doesn't it? Because like you have this like obviously you, you want to go explore everything in the game and like talk to people and see what happens but like it kind of some games have these massive maps and like nothing happens yeah and this is the thing this is why i don't get like everyone's obsession with making everything open world yeah it's great that we can develop these big open worlds and have a game like perform really well and ha- like hide little secret things in places 
and you know this is why like breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom are like so incredible because it is a big open world and ultimately the reward for exploring is as much as you want to get out of it so like if you see like a temple on the top of a hill like 20 miles away you you can eventually go and get there and there might be some really cool item or like a real cool story event there and like the journey getting there is like part of the destination too like, yeah yeah cause, but a lot of the yeah. time for a lot of like open world games i just especially with like ubisoft games it's just like icons everywhere oh, and then like yeah like, they and, love like, towers go go activate this thing or like go and complete this side quest which is just like go and pick up three items but like there's no world building from that you don't get to interact with npcs like who reflect on those events or comment on them yeah because like breath of the wild kind of does it in a weird way where like there's certain parts of the world like there's like a rock that's a skull or like really far away and like i think it's more on the like the end parts of the map that you find where like if you just like accepted a mission from someone and went and did something Oh, like you know you got a quest it's like yeah it wouldn't but like the more you talk to people the more you get this little bit like oh i've heard about that guy who lives at the observatory he's a bit crazy isn't he and then you go talk to him you're like oh yeah he is like yeah i like and there's loads of little things where it was like oh, i saw someone go over there i wouldn't go over there like and then someone else is like no you need to go there like yeah. <laughs> oh okay but if you were like just bumbling around just going from like quite like I must go to temple, complete temple. Like you'd miss out on something. So yeah. it's like a reward for exploring. And and I feel people. like, you know, a lot of people see like, they'll complete like a, like a main story uh, quest in the game. And then like three side quests will pop up and people see that as like a chore. But I felt like it was like more opportunity for me to learn about this world. That's pretty cool. Like, and like, yeah, like, uh, so for an early side quest, you're just heading towards like the second mother crystal so like as you go through the story you destroy the mother crystals because they're causing the world to die essentially but as you're going through this field you pick up these two side quests one's called like chloe and one is called uh i can't remember what it's called it's like or bark right so like chloe you, you you talk to this little girl and she's like oh i can't find chloe she's run away like i didn't leave her like i didn't leave her in a cage or whatever and you're just thinking like oh it's a dog it's fine and then you go and look for this chloe and then you just find a bearer which is essentially like a slave in this world who's just died and like she doesn't understand that like she's like just let a slave die because she kept asking her to do magic and like you kind of teach her about consequences in this world and you get to see like the impact that that has on an npc and then this other quest orbark so you meet this nobleman and he says his son's being attacked by like a rabid hound so you go and find the son and you fight the hound and then the son's like oh you weren't supposed to kill him you were supposed to die <laughs> and then like you go back and speak to the nobleman and his son's there with him and he's like oh dad can we get a bigger dog a better dog like because bearers shouldn't be allowed to like live and stuff like this and it's just like oh shit and then you go back to like get these other bearers who've been killed so they can have a proper burial like and then this other dude comes along and he's like oh don't worry about them anyway and then you hear this wolf kill both of them and you hear their screams and shit and if you go back there's blood on the floor and it's just like whoa this is dark oh that's good though because it's like it's like the unsaid details yeah well if you just like i've lost my chicken can you help me find it and yeah then you find the chicken and then they give you a cooked chicken you're like yeah oh okay. whereas this like 
it helped you to kind of build like the world because it showed you the relationships between like the nobles and the slaves and the stuff and like how slaves are mistreated and stuff like that and it was just it was just really cool and yeah. like like a lot of side quests later like you do a side quest for your merchant woman karen and like i noticed she had heterochromia like two different eye colors and i was like oh that was interesting and then that actually comes up as a plot point later because uh, a rival merchant that she used to work for starts spreading rumors about her saying that she's selling like weaponry to bad people and like she we basically catch this dude and then she comes along and she's like okay well an eye for an eye and since you've already taken mine and she's like you probably already noticed but my my one color eye is different and that's because it's a false eye and then she literally cuts this guy's eye out and it's just like oh, oh snap yeah. <laughs> but these are like these, it's nice to have like details that you kind of have to look for as well yeah like, like it like i feel like you get a lot more from just like being curious about the world and like the combat system is really addictive and makes it fun to play so like even when i got to like the final boss and i was just like oh god we're just we're just killing god again and i kind of <laughs> felt like we didn't necessarily need this bit uh, and like that was a little bit disappointing as well because normally you have like a big epic final dungeon but does it like does it kind of tell you it like do you know before you go in that it's the final dungeon or does it just feel like, well, like oh we're here now okay. this is probably going to be the last one well like you can't you know it's the final dungeon but normally you like have like big areas to explore and like high level enemies to fight and it kind of really tests your knowledge of like the combat systems and like whether you've really learned how to play and they're usually also like good grinding spots for like doing post game stuff but you go into the like final dungeon it it plays a cutscene which kind of feels like an homage to a scene from final fantasy 9 where you go into the final dungeon of that and i was like oh cool so we're just going to get like a big area to explore and stuff now and ultimately you just get a bunch of cutscenes, and then the final boss which is like a 20 or 30 minute fight mm. when you go through like the phases but it just felt like Oh, okay so like the final dungeon was the bit where we destroyed the last mother crystal which was relatively short too i feel like there there could have been more yeah yeah and i was kind of just like but oh, it's, it's it's because maybe because that was my expectation coming in because i've played a lot of final fantasy games and that's a typical thing mm. and maybe they just wanted to not do that so like did it was there's a post game kick in after only because i'm just like seeing on the screen now you're like the fact that you're saying there could have been more and you had 70 hours in the game kind of like speaks for the quality of it alone like, yeah like it, but then like um if you look at like previous entries uh before like they got re-releases with quality of life improvements like it like speeding up battle systems and like some of them even let you just do 99 99 damage just for every hit that you do like with the like the quality of life improvements because they were introduced in like the mobile version and it's because they're re-releases and if you're like replaying the game just for the story it's cool that they're there if you want to do them yeah, yeah or like you can do things like level one challenge runs which like matt loves to do <laughs> what that sounds like punishingly difficult but it like they teach you like how to use like the nuances of the battle systems because the battle systems are essentially like the meat of the game outside of the story like you're you're like constantly in random battles or like boss battles will require you to use strategies and stuff like that and consider like 
uh, in other Final Fantasies, not this one, um, like elemental weaknesses. So like if you're fighting like a fire boss having like ice spells, but also having armor that absorbs fire or reduces fire damage okay. and things like that. Yeah. So like it doesn't matter necessarily what level you are as long as you know how to use the battle system and like use your equipment to like essentially exploit weaknesses or like take advantage of certain things so like they are really strategic games but yeah like there's a couple of like post game things i've got left to do like there's like these trials that you do um where like you only have access to one icon and it only gives you two of their abilities and the two abilities they choose are essentially like specific and you can't decide what they are and then you go through like nine like stages where you fight a group of enemies but there's no healing so like you've oh, got to just play okay. exceptionally well and there's also like an arcade mode where you can replay stages and get like points like for how stylishly you play oh and, that's like, the cool it, you... yeah kind of gives a new twist to the game because like yeah. is, while, while you were saying that i couldn't help but think but like i know i keep going back to breath of the wild but that is kind of what i've been playing recently but like there's no leveling system in it but mm. like obviously there's the stamina bar which... and like weapons have durability yeah and the durability well. of the weapons as well but like uh, certain parts of the map are like there's no there's no leveling thing again but like obviously enemies get a bit more elaborate depending on where you go but also mm. if you go to certain parts it's like oh it's going to be more lightning strikes so you got to unequip everything that's got metal on it yeah and like it's just it just little things like that make Using it more your difficult brain, basically yeah yeah so the point where I was like well if I put a log here and just set it on fire and then kind of drop it on this guy like would it work? And then it does. And you're like, oh, cool. And like, there's so many, like, just walking around and hacking things is like a boring way to play. But like, when you try and like mess, the, the can I do this is the best part of the whole game. Yeah. And that that's really like where like video game immersion comes in to me. It's like, can I, can I interact with this world in a way that like feels natural, feels realistic in terms of like, you know, like, yeah, if I'm fighting like, an undead enemy if i throw a cure at it it should do damage because they're undead yeah and like any healing spell is gonna then essentially do damage and hurt them and like that is a common thing in final fantasy and in a lot of jrpgs and actually uh so like you've watched gdq right yeah games done quick. oh my god it's like i have no idea what's happening but i love watching it yeah it's great we were watching a final fantasy 8 speedrun and this this speedrunner was on a PB run. They were gonna get their personal best, but there's a boss in like a salt lake that you fight that is undead, and he had saved two elixir items. And elixirs do like a full heal on you and also restore like all your MP. Um, but instead of throwing them at the boss, he threw them on his own party, not once, but twice. And then, like, lost eight minutes to fighting this boss, and was no longer on PB. But like, it was, it, and they were like devastated. You could tell that they just kind of wanted to like not do the run anymore. Yeah. But obviously, they're in like a live studio well, like, audience. It's, yeah, and like because it's like it's kind of like a showcase as well, isn't it? It's not like your own personal stream. You could be like, right, we can start again. Restart yeah, the timers. Like, everything I, like I, that. I watch like Waifu who speed runs DMC in Resident Evil, and yeah, like if his runs fucked up in the first five minutes, you'll see him restart that run like three times. Yeah, but yeah, when you're doing it in front of a live studio audience, you just kind of have to roll with the punches at that point. It's interesting how some people, obviously because there's a commentator as well, and they, like, it's just interesting to watch. 
<laughs> but like oh, I don't know like I, when he was saying that you know what he was saying about um, how like um, in the Smash Bros scene there's like a bastardized version of the game yeah um, so there's the Spongebob game I think it's called the Battle for Bikini Bottom oh maybe. yeah I've heard of this game but it's become like a speedrunner's favourite almost um, but like the unofficial version of the game is the one that everybody uses now because okay. it removes the loading times mm. so yeah like I know the speedrunning community will do that especially with like games where like patches remove certain exploits and things like that uh, like so I know with Resident Evil 4 remake in the launch version of the game if you equip the sniper rifle and stand like in like the frame between the door like two doors that like you need to open from the other side if you like aim down scope and point at the floor and then turn as you're like unaiming your character will like warp through the door and allow you to like open it and like you can essentially skip whole sections of the game oh yeah because the map is yeah but like um yeah so like part of the speed runs for those games re- rely on that and i know that they've patched them out so they'll run like on an unpatched version of the game oh, that's cool yeah because i think some some developers like deliberately if it's not a game breaking thing but it's an exploit used for speed running they just won't patch it out yeah capcom are a bit I don't know. I f- I feel like they just didn't. I I don't think they were just. Ha- they were happy that like people were cutting out like large difficult sections of the game because yeah. it's just like you're you're kind of like, removing a lot of the gameplay, guys. Yeah, and if it's like we created this, you're doing it wrong. Like we spent. You're not doing years it in the way we'd this. like you to. Do. Like, yeah. come on, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like opening a book that's like six hundred pages long and only reading the first chapter one and, and then the last chapter. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, come on. Like, <laughs> Oh, right. But yeah, Final Fantasy 16, I give it a nine out of ten because like it's just so well put together. It's like the characters are incredible. The voice performances are like off the chain. The main character, Clive, is voiced by Ben Starr, and if he doesn't win an award at the Game Awards, I'll throw hands. <laughs> Fucking Jeff Keeley, you hear this? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> On to the main course. Um, I'm gonna let you say the name for this because I I was considering well googling it to find out how to say it correctly. I've but... been saying it as both Midsummer and Midsummer. I don't know. We'll go with Midsummer because I think that's like what they say in the film. Yeah, because uh, yeah. But yeah, so. Well, I'll, we'll run down a brief synopsis. Uh, so your your main character, Danny, she loses her sister and her parents in a tragic, like suicide homicide yeah, situation. Yeah, like come suicide. Like yeah, was... and she's got a boyfriend who's pretty shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, gaslighting asshole. I'll let you do this. I can't Um, before we. Yeah, but yeah. So he's not very supportive. He's doing his PhD as part of this. He's going to Sweden with his course friends, and he invites Danny along. And um, bad things happen. Yeah, bad bad things happen. It's it's funny how like like uh, until they get to Sweden, it's like. Okay, we this is like we need back like we have a character that we need to traumatize and give a backstory, so let's do this. Once they get there, it feels like the the film starts then. Like it, you have to get to that point for the plot. Well, like, the thing is, right? 
the the bits before Sweden are there to establish like Danny because she's just gone through this horrific traumatic event and she's not getting any support from the circle of friends that she has the people that realistically should be providing her with support the only person that offers her any kind of solace or support is the Swedish dude Pele yeah he because he yeah. in that and that scene was just so uncomfortable to watch because her reaction when he's like oh but I lost my parents too but I never felt alone and she's just like oh yeah but like her every, face though everything he says is like it just slowly unravels until like eventually yeah yeah it's it's all little hints and signs as to like where this is going and a lot of I I've read a lot of stuff online about people saying oh it's a fairy tale yeah if you if you're talking like Grimm's fairy tales where like the ending isn't really that happy no but like it was I don't know how we should approach this because I I like you know if we should go in order through the film. It's probably best to go through it in like the order of the thing because it's. Well, yeah. uh, what what I noticed initially is like the cinematography and just the editing was incredible, especially on the way to like Sweden. It's so disjointed. Oh and yeah, like so yeah. uncomfortable. But then you know, as they're just getting in and just getting into Helsingland, the, the way the shot flips upside down. To kind of yeah, like show you that this is wrong. By the way, yeah, like it was. You get this weird thing where you almost want to like yell at the script, like just turn me back around. Yeah, like, like I would be getting out the fucking car. Yeah. And I also did a little research on that sign that's above the road, the yellow banner. Yeah, is an anti-immigrant, like Swedish anti-immigrant, like warning. Is it? Yeah. So if you know Swedish and like if you can hear, like so. You'll notice that parts of the film where the 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 cult are speaking in Swedish is not always subbed. No, see, I I quite like that because like when me and my partner Eloise were watching it. Oh, hello, by the way. And, <laughs> um, when we were watching it, it was like initially we're like looking because we usually watch everything with subtitles on. Yeah. But movies like not. You know, because like, but there's some bits where it's like, if you were meant to understand what they were saying, the, the subs will come up, and they do yeah. when you are meant to, yeah. because the times when they're not subbed is clearly when they're talking about their um their, their guests mm. in inverted commas, if you will. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. I think it's also worth saying that like we, you watched extended the director's cut. I did cut, watch the director's cut, and I watched like the the original, the original cinematic thing. Mm. So, but like, it just by no, like I dipped into one of the cutscenes just, and there was eventually like I can't watch it because the continuity isn't going to make sense. Like mm. I'd, I'd just be like, it's just a scene I'm watching. I yeah. don't know where it comes in or anything. Yeah. Um, like it felt like because there's a whole like basically Americans go with this Swedish man to this like come to my village we do a kooky little fate thing yeah we and do a little festival every year and it, it seems like super <laughs> innocent and then it slowly like more things happen but they go through this entire cycle of like it's like a nine day thing isn't it yeah and like in the in the regular theatrical release it felt like it wasn't you kind of lose track of the days which is probably what the characters feel like as well it's because they're, they're so far north that There's in no summer yes. and during the summer solstice it is pretty much always daylight. Mm. So, like, 
you're completely disorientated of space and time and especially with like I've also got to say this is one of the few films that got trippy ass visuals right yeah like yeah. The, the the visuals for the mushrooms and whatever shit they were drinking they were on point they were like actually what you kind of experience in a psychedelic trip like especially when you're like in nature on mushrooms and you feel that connection to earth and like you've got grass growing out of your hands and like, even like the trees breathing yeah like, and like yeah like especially later on when like she is the may queen mm. and the trees are literally just all breathing and almost dancing almost like they're doing the dance with them and it's just like whoa that got me that got me really good and then you know when she's spinning out and decides to run into that little cabin and then looks in the mirror no oh, yeah, never look in it? the mirror never no. look in the mirror <laughs> like it was like things would happen because it was like you could you know relate this to personal experience however you want to say it without saying it yeah like just it was like you just see him like just as soon as she got to that thing like even just ran inside it was like she's either gonna see something that's gonna make it worse or she'll catch the oh there's a mirror oh no and then you have this like realization that like as you think oh no suddenly it, it starts melting and everything just like yep and you know even just the like did you notice as well right i noticed this straight away when ingemar the guy with the mushrooms uh meets them all yeah and pele like everybody hugs the, and his dad comes along and he's like he hugs all the guys and just says welcome but when he hugged danny he said welcome home i was like yo ah uh, see i didn't pick up on that, cause that I, I, it was yeah. really subtle but it was just like what the fuck mm. and i mean i felt uncomfortable from like zero 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 like from the moment the film started i felt uncomfortable because it was just like this just feels wrong from the get-go well, yeah, i think the cinematography really exacerbated that feeling of like i feel uncomfortable but it's amazing to look at yeah and it was just like and especially like as you as you inch through the film you're not always 100% sure. You kind of might have an idea, but I think even any idea that you have as you watch this film is completely tilted when you get to, like, the final act. Oh, but, like, yeah, because... Because, like, you know, you're introduced to, like, the, the, the cult's practices and their kind of, you know, rituals and routines. You know, they all sleep together, even with a fucking crying baby, which... Like... Yeah, like, this, it seems to be there's some things where it's like, you, you would relate to that being annoying. Or like, I don't think, initially, like, I didn't realise... I didn't... Okay, no, I didn't realise. I didn't get cult vibes instantly. Not instantly, no. So, it, and it kind of, like, dials it up and creeps it in. And by the time you realise what's happening, you're like... It's too late yeah. for everyone. So and then like the first time you kind of really realize is when you're introduced to the ritual of the old the the, the older generation who just turned 72 mm. and you know they 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 exit life yeah by throwing themselves off a cliff and you know when you watch the woman do it you're like oh oh okay mm. and like the two British people, they're totally twisted by that. <laughs> like, that that messed them up. But then, 
you watch the guy do it after and he survives uh, yeah but i saw the hammer and i was like that hammers for something oh yeah same like it I was, was like, i even wrote bruh just, in with notes. a picture of a hammer next yeah, to it yeah when, when, when that scene happened because i was like they're not gonna just smash them over the face like that hammers for something and then yeah when he just landed on his legs and survived i was like oh oh they're all they're all gonna have to like smash him up oh and they, they literally just like caved his face in yeah it does show every detail quite graphically but also to the point where like it's not many cuts it is just like you are meant to see this you're looking at this you yeah, can't like, look away like this this is this is this is daily life for them and yeah like the whole time especially like as the group spends more time there like you realize just how other they are like not necessarily the cult themselves but like the guests they like it it's fear of the other or like mm, ambivalence or uh direct dislike of the other from both sides and whether that's either through like a lack of kind of decorum or understanding like with um oh, who's the mark who's yeah. played by will poulter when he pisses on the tree which has all the family ashes like buried under it and like ulf is like uh, he's catatonic well like he feels like i was like when he every time something happens he was the one character that was like kind of a bit annoying but also like you know if when the the people are jumping off the rocks and they're yeah. like there's at the end of every scene when they're like so, the group is reacting to something it's always his voice in the background saying something and you're just like could you just stop like do, I, but yeah it, like he's yeah. just like the dude who's like would you stop but like every group of friends kind of has that person and like i feel like you can kind of relate you may have even be i may have even been that person at one point just making a dry comment on a situation that's clearly like way more serious yeah but like i don't i i i don't like that guy in films because i just think like okay if i he just has a very punchable face and i don't mean that in a bad way because obviously these are real people i know but like i don't know it's just sometimes that like i take an instant disliking to whoever he he plays mm. and i know that says more about me than anything else <laughs> that is very mean but i know i know i feel i do kind of feel bad about it but also i'm just like it, it, i think he he gets given that role a bit as well like uh, yeah def actors definitely do get typecast when they like appear a certain way or they act a certain way like you just look at jason statham in the early noughts like he's like the same character again and again, again. yeah <laughs> yeah and it's always brilliant when he's trying to do an american accent because he should just not <laughs> yeah like, i think in retrospect i don't really mean it that way i think it's more just like a, you know you, like you that, get the character that he's playing is really insufferable as well but like th that whole group of boys just is like one big miasma of toxic masculinity because they're all pretty horrid to each other yeah yeah and even like the what is it 
Will something when he says he's gonna like is it Will the boyfriend Josh. Josh oh no Christian's the boyfriend Christian's and boyfriend. then Josh is William Jackson Harper's character the dude who plays Chidi from The Good Place because like when when there's this whole thing friction with the characters about like who whose thesis who's gonna do what yeah Josh like, Josh and Christian have their argument about like who's gonna do um, the thesis and stuff and then Pele is like oh you both can do it obviously n- none of them are getting out alive at that point. <laughs> but I guess like the sinister under like the fact that the, you're distracted by this like conflict and it sort of serves to like maybe like more things slip under the radar that are very obvious that mm. you would notice if you would just watch like yeah I think it, it, it like, obviously it's like a plot point as well but then m- more things happen that you don't realise which is why I really want to watch this film again mm. but like it's I I think so as as the culty things intensify I think at some points I was like you know what I kind of like it wouldn't this wouldn't be so bad that is it and the the film definitely slips under you like that for like the first like two hours and I'd say that like yeah this life almost doesn't seem that bad because it presents you with a clear structure to your life where like from you only really labour for 18 years uh, and then you take on a mentor role after that and then you just you just leave before you get too unhealthy to look after yourself and that on the surface almost sounds like an incredible like way to live yeah, yeah but I mean, then yeah. then you actually realize what's going on under the surface and the manipulation and the gaslighting kind of that happens and that's something that I feel was very much hinted at in in how Danny and Christian's relationship like was you know portrayed because it's clear that their relationship is pretty dead or like very toxic oh yeah one of the first scenes in the first like 10 minutes she's like I'm gonna break up with her and it like instantly establishes this like oh like yeah yeah. like he, he he clearly is no longer invested but like they're still together and whenever they have an argument it's clear that he's like emotionally abused her so much that even when she's in the right she'll apologize oh and he's yeah. gaslighted her so hard which is why when she is essentially converted and welcomed into the cult and inaugurated as the may queen it's so like obvious that that would happen because she's already in a vulnerable mental state she's just had a really tragic event happen to her and cults specifically target people who have gone through these kinds of traumas because they they feel alone they feel isolated so when Pele's saying you know when I lost my parents, I never felt alone because I had my family. Yeah, my yeah, big it's like family. Oh, they, they burned up in a fire. They died, and it's like yeah, they oh. burned up in a fire because they volunteered. Yeah, they were seventy-two. That was it. But GG, like, shake my hand. That, that was the funny thing because there, uh, there's one one scene at the very beginning when they're like you know going around like there's different objects around the village and there's like a bear in a cage. But we they oh don't worry. It's oh, just the a bear. bears just. Yeah. The bear is like one big metaphor what? for them, and then the, but there's like a track, like a shot where it's like a tapestry of like all these little like parts of the rituals. Yeah, and I think it got to the point where I was like, I was actively craving bad things to happen because like the bear being on fire, and it was maybe not craving, but it was like, 
oh when is this going to come into it where and like dude like even early on when she's sleeping on her bed there's a there's a like a painting of a bear and a little girl mm. which is kind of it was just a visual portrayal of like what her relationship with christian was like and oh i like i don't think christian quite deserved what happened to him he's an asshole sure don't get me wrong like the way he behaved with danny in their relationship was toxic as fuck and then because he's not very academically minded and he leans on his friends as a crutch which you know josh calls him out for absolutely you know he definitely isn't a good person but you know what happens to him in the final act of that film in you know being drugged and then essentially like an enforced non-consensual sex act that was and then being burned alive yeah like in the body of a bear he gets like i don't want to say reverse taxidermied but like the yeah it's like you know it's very much a story about a breakup ariasta has said as such you know under the allegory of like a very fascist cult because there is fascism through and through like to the point where we've even got josh who's got a nazi rune book in the car as they're driving and then they're all they're all white a lot of them are blonde there's a lot of inbreeding yeah it's weird how like when when they're asked obviously doing the research for, for the both the thesis like it comes up with um like you're almost warned about everything happening before it happens you so definitely are it's all just shown to you rather than told to you and even like the little conversation about like oh you know isn't inbreeding a problem or is there whatever like and then he just one of the villagers just kind of touches on the fact that like oh we you know we find others but that's it and then yeah. oh, and then something crazy happens in the background so oh let's go over there and it almost like you, you and if you weren't paying attention it might have just been like oh cool it's just a chat like you don't realize the importance of almost everything and everything is intentional and the thing is like each character who is offed shall we say <laughs> Um, yeah. So, like, you know, the British couple and the boys, um, Mark and Josh, and then ultimately Christian, like, they all essentially, like, either, like, pass judgments or, like, transgress these kind of rituals that this cult places a lot of weight and a lot of, like, foundation on, and that's, like, their life. So when they... You know, like when Mark pisses on the tree and then, you know, he's dragged off. We don't see what happens to him. We just see the after effects before Josh gets his head bashed in. Yeah, because like when he when he does get his like that scene confused. Well, not didn't confuse me. Obviously, like, is he does he get mutilated and have his face put back on his face or is he is it someone else wearing his skin? Cause... I think that he gets mutilated and maybe has his genitalia removed uh, it's not very clear like it's a very dark scene and uh it, it was just like you, you see josh going to read the book and try and take pictures which you're immediately like no this bad shit bad shit's gonna happen to you dude yeah 
Like, because like you were already like there were multiple warnings about doing this. Yeah, like no, you can't take photos. You've already like we've already said that you can't use real names and things like that, and like he he feels that as an academic, as an anthropologist, he's above their rituals, and he forgets ultimately that he's in their world. He's hundreds of miles away from civilization that he would recognize. He's not in a position to be breaking rules. No, no. And like the the thing about the whole Oracle as well, that was really interesting. The whole inbreeding thing. Cause it kind of like, yeah, but yeah. then it also like, it also brings up troubling and like problematic tropes that have appeared in horror since we've been making horror that disabled people are monstrous or like you know exotic or some something yeah and it just kind of was just like oh, okay like i understand they're a cult and ultimately like it is sort of an allegory for how the nazis used autistic children and like viewed autistic children and that's where we even got the term asperger syndrome because of the nazi scientist asperger which is no longer diagnosed, by the way. It's just autism spectrum disorder. It's been removed from the DSM-5. So, like, when people say, I've got Asperger's, it's always like, okay, you're autistic. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I am. But also, like, it's just like, that's no longer diagnosed. We don't recognize Nazi scientists for, for good reason. Ah, okay, because I had, like, no idea about Yeah, not this. many people know the history of that. But, like, yeah, they, they that's where we got a lot of, like, the... That was ultimately a lot of where the research around autism came from. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so, like, it kind of felt like it was a reference to that. Um, but it didn't really do a lot with it. And ultimately, that boy is just... You see him, like, two or three times. And he's, yeah, like... It's... But like it, when it, I feel like the film does like it, it's going along this really like not a set path, but it's sort of like oh cool these quirky people and their weird village rituals, and then suddenly like something horrifying and a bam and it happens, and then and it's back to the malice again. Yeah. And by the time it and like you get to the final like the final like crescendo almost, yeah, you're, it is you're the so crescendo like for desensitized sure. to it that you're just like oh cool this is normal now, but like which is exactly how cults work. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was literally like it is literally fascism and like that is how fascism works it just creeps in and presents itself to you like it's just normal that it's just okay and then suddenly you realize whoa this is way beyond okay yeah there's it was interesting watching this with with al because she was like one of her favorite podcast which is called my favorite murder yeah so it was like saying like how like cults sort of like coerce people and you know split up groups and give yeah, them like separate the experiences and family and stuff like that, yeah. but like and the whole but like that was said to me before i even clocked that it was a cult and it was just like like things would happen it was like oh okay like this it was just it was just very interesting because it was like i i did i was just watching something happen and at no point it was like I kind of thinking oh wait like this is why like yeah I, this is where like you know i couldn't pinpoint why i felt uncomfortable mm. until like that final act the, the crescendo of the film pretty much i was like yo wait this is actually bad all the people of color have disappeared by the way 
Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, Josh, well, we see Josh get killed. Um, Simon and Connie, well, Simon is apparently <laughs> driven to the train station. But then he's found, like, butterfly, isn't he? He is with his, like, lungs removed, but he's still alive. Is he Is he still alive in that? What his time? lungs are breathing. Did you not see the moving? Like, I thought he I was... Thought, like... I thought it was either his lungs are breathing or, like, that's the hallucinogenic, like, vision. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, either way, he gets put in the barn and burned too. <laughs> <laughs> like, originally, while watching it, like, I'm a real sucker for, like, I'll, if... Because, like, I think I'll seen it before or something. Like, um, but it was... I was like, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Like, I, I have to almost, like, let it out. Yeah, yeah, and like, it's like when they first showed that like yellow triangular barn thing, mm. I thought, oh wait, the, the the old the people who are super old who are seventy two live there for the final year, or they like they just jump in there and die, or they just throw themselves in there and like, but like it it never occurred to me that like oh it's gonna get that's gonna be it it's gonna get set on fire, and you know like the love potion you see it hinted at in the in the paintings and like the murals. And then, you know, when they're sitting down and they have the pie and he pulls the hair out of the pie, I, I looked at his glass Different and I noticed color. it was darker than all the others. And I was like, Ugh! I was like, nah, she's got, he's got period blood in his glass. No. Yeah, like that, I think when we, when it got to that point of like the tapestry of events, it was almost like, uh, I was already like wanting things like that to happen, which is kind of weird because it was like, sometimes films hint at things or they talk about something and then they just gloss over it and nothing yeah, like happens. Yeah, nothing happens with it. But this film, it showed it to you and then was like, here it is. Yeah. And like, even like, you know, when, 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 when Danny, uh, you know, <laughs> crowned as the May Queen and forced to eat a herring the hole and stuff and after they've drugged Christian at the table and your man claps in his face and like the whole the whole thing just went that was and then you know he gets dragged off and put in a ceremonial dress and yeah that scene that that was so like I asked a friend for like content warning on this film because I was like okay hereditary was pretty rough is there any stuff that I should be like concerned about going into this film? Are there any depictions of like, you know, bad things like yeah. stuff that is not necessarily typical to horror? No, because like, like someone having like a head exploding is yeah, that's pretty typical to horror. Yeah, or like you know someone jumping off a cliff or like suicide. That's like typical horror tropes. But like rape is not. And that's the only time I'm saying that word. Like, it, it it, was just really uncomfortable because I was like, no, this is not happening. Yeah, no. it, like, it kind of deserved to that, like, when shocking things happen that fly under the radar. Um, yeah, that, like, I kind of get it because at that point everything is falling apart and you're sort of yeah, expecting chaos. Yeah, it's all chaos. kind of relative at that point to the film. And it's all been kind of seeded like that that seed has been planted and now it's essentially blooming and yes the metaphor is not lost no, that, yeah <laughs> yeah and like um, but, and you know then danny 
walks in and discovers it. Oh yeah, and it, but like that seems like a, t- a a key moment when she's like integrated into the the community as well because yeah. when she's like runs to the the sleeping back, area yeah, back and she's hysterical and then but then all they all the women... moan at yeah. the same time as her because like you know it, it the it, it's just it that whole bit was just like oh she's here now yeah you see you see a shift in her character while she's like screaming on the floor because there's definitely a point where she clocks on that they're following her and then she maybe amps it up more they, but this seems like a like she, she gets she, it at that yeah, point. Yeah, she she's 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 part of it by that point. She's she's integrated like fully, and it it, it just it just slips in like it just literally slips in. I I wrote in my notes at one point, um, opportunistic anthropology students, because <laughs> just to go back to that because like it. <laughs> This cult functions on just like the fact that I know we've been going. Oh no, no, we're good. I was just uh, if we want to switch files, I just want to check. Ah, okay. Um, Like this cult obviously operates on in secrecy and relies on you know the eighteen-year-olds to go out into the world and bring unsuspecting people back who will either be integrated or used as part of the rituals yep. and that's how they functioned so there was no way ever that these like I'd say that uh, is before they uh, enter the enter Halsingland they are privileged because you know being a PhD student is like a high place to be like in academia it's a very it's like it's ultimately like the end game for academia you get your PhD you go on to do postdoctoral research like they're essentially about to achieve what they want to in life and all of that is stripped away because they feel like because of what their position is, they have a right to essentially analyze, dissect, and deconstruct this well, cult. Yeah, you get that even with like some of the questions where like you know that like you know, they know that they shouldn't be asking them, or like there's this very kind of like oh, or like you know a villager reacts in a very harsh way, or they're like no, mm-hmm. can't talk about this. Yeah, but like it's that kind of also helps because it's like exposing it's a question that we would ask while yeah. watching like you want and, to know these things yeah because like when, when ultimately when you're trying to ask a question to try and understand something it, it, it felt like that asking the question itself was offensive because how fascism how cults work is you just have to accept and go along with the ride because they're assuring you that everything is fine. Yeah. Even yeah. when you're presented with things like your friends disappearing, people throwing themselves off cliffs and having their faces smashed in. Well, that that was the interesting <laughs> bit of the whole anthropology thing because like something would happen and then like Christian would just be like, "Oh no, I'm just trying to like respect their traditions," and it's very like. Oh, have you have you drunk the Kool Aid already? Like, is the, this is a shocking thing? But I get like, obviously, it's they're trying to be interested in different cultures, and they will have this kind of academic mindset when it comes to things. Mm-hmm. But like, I think they they're so like open to it, they don't realize how fucked it is. Yeah, and especially with someone like Josh, the fact that he 
was even just okay with having like a, a Nazi book on his lap, especially like as a as a person of color. Yeah, this... it was it was, and you know, even Danny's like, "What is that? Like, why do you have that?" Yeah, because the runes kind of play quite. Uh, they're brought up quite a lot, aren't they? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things like even with like the the thing that gets slipped under christian's bed like the stone. oh yeah the, the love rune yeah yeah there's lots of like again i, I didn't pick up on the whole nancy rune thing but then like i think that's why i want to watch it again because there's more there's so much to it like even you know the whole like shots being uncomfortable yeah like in the very first scene the, well one of the first scenes at the very beginning when it, it's like it's uh, like sending she's frantic, danny's frantically sending emails to her sister to find out yeah. what's happened mm-hmm. she gets nothing back and eventually it cuts to like uh, a red flashing light in a garage or yeah, and the house. Like, and it's all dark and then it pulls back and you see the car and then you just if you're not paying attention you might miss the fact that there's two pipes on the floor yeah and then it, you're like oh, oh fuck yeah, like, so it's slowly kind of yeah she basically yeah. just carbon monoxided her whole house mm. and took took her parents with her like and the fact that we never get to like understand why that happened is a very real thing with suicides like sometimes people just go because they can't cope and they can't even cope enough to like give an explanation mm-hmm. but like taking her parents as collateral damage was certainly a a choice yeah like i think it's <laughs> it kind of like it serves as a very weird call to attention during the film because it is like everything pay attention to everything because something will come back round and like mm. the whole like I'm taking mum and dad with me initially you're like yeah, okay what does that mean and then obviously there's the the, the, the dudes being bros in a group yeah. like it is kind of this like just glossing over that fact and, then, and even you um, know even before we know what has happened to them when she's having that initial phone call with Christian he's like Oh yeah, we just smoked some resin, and then you hear him taking more pulls on the pipe as he's on the phone. Like he clearly doesn't really give much of a shit about Danny or her situation. Yeah, that, it seems kind of weird because like when they're doing that, they're like in like a family restaurant or something. Yeah, it's a very big disconnect. You're like, wait, what? What do you mean? And like, because like you, initially you don't see him, you just hear him on the phone. Yeah, and then it cuts to them, and then they're like, what? Are they at dinner? Like, there's a weird kind of. It almost feels like you're meant to be confused by the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you, you're disorientated from the get go. But, but yes. I mean, uh, uh, like it was an incredible film. I just don't feel like I want to watch it again anytime soon. That was enough. It was, yeah. I I think it was like I will watch it again. Not soon. Like like you say, but like. I don't know. I think I like the fact that it was a horror without jump scares. Yeah, you don't like horror doesn't need jump scares. Like it it is great sometimes when one is done really well. Like I'm a I'm a very big fan of like the the fake jump scare where like you'll expect something to happen, nothing happens, then 5 seconds later the stinger comes and something happens and you're like, "Wow." Like those kinds of jump scares are brilliant. But yeah, this film just uh, like have you seen get out by yes. jordan peele so like this film had that same kind of vibe you know as they're driving onto like the family's home and you realize it's an old plantation home and you're just like 
the the color the color grading and the filter choice makes it all feel kind of ethereal and dreamlike and otherworldly almost and you're just kind of like this is uncomfortable yet yeah i don't know why yet yeah and that's how i felt for like most of this film well like it it, you get this weird feeling at the beginning because like obviously they drive to they go to fly to sweden drive then there's the camera flip but then also you have this like transition space where they end up in what looks like a windows xp background and a beautiful field oh yeah and and then like they take mushrooms and it's all like oh okay cool yeah let's go now and then you have this over the head shot looking down and then walking through the forest you get this really you, you do get the feeling that they're being taken somewhere else but you kind of have this like forced you're forced to be aware of the transition multiple yeah. times and it kind of like and then like I feel like that's really important because like I think one of the coolest edits in the film one of the coolest cuts is shortly after like Pele has his first interaction with Danny and she's like I need to go to the bathroom and then when she goes into the bathroom she's in an airplane bathroom that was so cool. I was just like, well, she's fucking on the way. Oh, see, yeah. Did you I, notice that? I, that was I, the, so cool. The, the bar, like, I didn't clock that. The, what I was like, their plane, like, their bathroom looks really a lot like a plane. But yeah. it was, and then, like, it kind of, there are a lot of, like, really subtle, like, when, we, when she, um, when they first take mushrooms on that field, and then she goes into that cabin and then mm. comes out, it's like a very, you're almost like, you're caught up in the fact that she's, like, overwhelmed by everything because it just, transitions really smoothly and i feel like you know the cabin also like represents like a turn for her because also her friends fucking suck because they forced her to trip when she didn't want to because oh we'll all be on different trips uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. So that, yeah that was so annoying and i was just kind of like oh mark i can't wait for you to die but then when he did die i was like oh but like yeah when she goes into the cabin even before she lights like the the match and like sees her reflection in the mirror that was like a transition point and it feels like she goes through like multiple transition points through the film that are represented through her going into different spaces like almost like like her like indoctrination and her like inauguration it's like represented physically as she changes space but like by the end of the film, I know like a lot of horrifying things happen to people, but I kind of feel like she won. Like it's it's she she's kind of maybe better off where at the end she seems almost happy. She she is smiling at the end of the film, but you know, for how long? For how long is she useful to them? Yeah, there's... this is the thing. Like this is where like a lot of the readings where I saw that people are like oh it's a fairy tale because she gets a happy ending she gets revenge and it's just like yeah but she's also been like indoctrinated into a cult and while she might have like a group of people that support her that's only while she follows rules and expectations that are put upon uh, yeah, and, her like, conforms to this yeah. society's kind of that, culture like, yeah and it's just kind of like that is definitely one thing you can take away from it but ultimately like what happens now the credits are rolling and what happened to all the other may queens they don't talk about them like being around there's photos of oh yeah there's no one no one says i was the may queen at this point yeah there's um there's a lot of things sorry i i really wish i had better writing so i could have physical notes but so i don't say the name of our next film wrong I'm just going to get this ready so I will, you know. But yeah, yeah. I feel like it was great. 
like I would recommend people to watch it if they're okay with very unsettling scenes of cinema like I feel like it was one of the more horrific horror films I've ever seen and considering like most of it is in the daytime yeah that it's it's yeah. just kind of like it, it present it's there's such an irony in it in that it just presents you with so much stuff that like shouldn't be but is like it's yeah. the exact opposite of what you would expect because you think oh yeah it's just a cool little festival we have every year mm. no it's a cult and like, <laughs> the, all the flowers look really nice and it all it's also open like i think while watching it you know the whole thing kind of takes place in one big field mm-hmm. almost and like it felt so nice to be there. Yeah, like... <laughs> like, it, it's open and... Yeah. It's all open. Like, the weather's mint. Like, the, everyone seems to be having a good time for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like... But, yes. Midsummer, fascism, cults. Like, if you, as a person, suspect that something is not what it seems then it probably isn't yeah like it's just it's more horror like that please like more kind of you get this creeping sense of something is wrong and by the time you realize it it's always it's got a shit already like yeah well if you if you liked it and you haven't seen hereditary is that was his first film uh so watch that and then he just had his third film come out earlier this year called Bo is Afraid was that the oh that okay him, yeah so uh, and like that stars Joaquin Phoenix and even he was like don't watch this film on mushrooms or if you do tell me how it is <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that's that's a great way to like sell that yeah that the, yeah but, so what is our next film Chris uh, since it is your selection our next film is so okay, um, an Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary just came out. Okay, and uh, I think the YouTube algorithm picked up on the fact that I maybe looked for some funny interviews with them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our next film is called Iron Mask, and it stars Jackie Chan. Okay, and Arnold Schwarzenegger in like a high level, like high concept fantasy, um, and it's Chi- it's a English language Chinese made movie. What? I've never even heard of this film. Yeah, yeah. Because like when I watched the trailer, I was like, "Oh, this the act. It's got these two actors in, but it kind of looks it, it kind of looks like a theater set. Like there's I don't want to you know comment on it too much before we watch it. Obviously, yeah. but like but I it's really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like this could be amazing, but it also could be trash. But it almost doesn't matter because when do you get this pairing? And it's, it was only made in the like last few years. Oh, so then that's that's definitely why I don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. It was so, like because it came up. And it was like, how how do we not know about this? Like, how does this this exists? Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, that's the, right, the next Iron thing. Mask episode three. Yeah, um, and then and it, uh, back to cults. Sorry, I wanted to say this when we were talking about the festival before and how you know there wasn't. It's not enough to have just bands and a stage and an arena anymore. Um, like before the whole weekend of download, there was a red freight container. Okay. And loads of adverts for like a cult, like come join us, you know, live a better life. And like this was there was yeah, yeah. That is toxic. And like but like it was always it was filmed as if they knew they were going to get put on screens cuz they were kept, they kept being like, "Hey, you want some chips?" Ah, oh, you know, get get off your phone. I know you're not paying attention. And it was like it by the end of it, it was really annoying. 
But also it was kind of cool because there was, oh, there's this red freight container there. And at certain times, people would come out in robes and do rituals. What? And it turned out that this was a treasure hunt taking place in the arena. Okay. And you, they'd give you these, they'd be like, go find the clues, go find the clues, come back with all the clues, you can come into the freight container. And it was like, and you got free, like a like a like cult member shirt. And there was a little, like, maybe you could buy like some jewelry. There was something like that. It was pretty cool. But like, anyway, this was Bring the Horizons thing. And their entire set was basically like this AI introduces the band. Oh like my set, god! Like, but like it was like a story almost. So like comes okay. out and does this whole like build up, and um, it turns out that she's not actually on humanity's side and wants to destroy humanity. But it meant that like between songs, you'd have that. Sometimes you'd have this AI pop up, and like it was gra- like it played into the theming of the show, where like mm. set elements fell apart and like different beings appeared on stage. And it was like it was really cool because even if you didn't give a shit about the music, you were like, "What's gonna happen next in the storyline?" Yeah, it's a show. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's that. And that's the big thing. Like, I feel like it's nice that we've come back around to this. Um, you know, especially as someone who's been going to shows since they were fifteen. Um, it's yeah. It doesn't feel quite like enough just to see a band come out and just perform some songs without adding a little theatre to it mm. you know like you, yeah it's a tour cool you're touring this most recent album like what are you going to do with that you're going to have like some like obviously it depends like what kind of like where that band is in the progression of their career if you're going to see a band like on their first album it's just going to be them performing songs like yeah, that's yeah. fine but like if you look at like an artist we've seen as their careers progress like someone like the algorithm like we watched how his shows evolved from him just doing the bleep bloops on the synth to having a lot of that be played on a backing track while he now plays guitar yeah and, and they'll have like, like a live drummer as well yeah like, yeah so like you know is it, it it would be cool for more bands to take notice of like ways that they it's all the daft punk influence you know from 2007 that are live tour the show at um, Coachella like how that pretty much like changed how live dance music and just live music is like having like you know the pyramid stage or whatever they had and just like taking into account like how the lighting mixes with your music and that sort of stuff like because obviously a lot of like tours they just rely on like your local kind of lighting person and sound yeah, person. Yeah, it's, it's very like it's whatever's in the venue. Like, yeah. yeah, and I know that like you have done tours with bands. Like Dunford, our friend, has done tours with bands, and like George and Brick, and like they've gone on like multiple shows, and like the lighting and the sound people are with that like artist through the tour. So like you know there's a there's almost a way to like evolve and adapt the show as it's being performed because like you can assess as it goes on like what worked well what didn't yeah you get like and you get funny things but i think it's more in like when you're in the venues where you have just enough space to maybe add some set or some extra of your own lights where like there'll be oh there's a disco ball there there's disco balls everywhere suddenly yeah. the light the light show will change because you're like we can use these and this is amazing yeah, like we can position the lights so they bounce off the disco balls and that gives us more to do with like so yeah there's a lot of like weird subtle things like it's funny to see like lighting evolve beyond the stage because like when um we will wrap this up soon, I promise. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. Um, so Vili Vallo played at, at Download. Oh, Mr. Mr. H I M. Mr. H I M himself. And um, 
but like he he do uh, one of his own songs and then a him cover, but you know. Yeah, he'd play yeah, a hymn yeah. song and the, some of the like the whole like set looked a bit like pillars with lights on top of them mm. and when they were playing hymn songs they would have like hymn gobos like lit up on the sides of the tent oh, like, nice. heartograms flying all over the place and like that that's kind of cool I don't know it's, it's nice, nice way to, that. nice way for him to like like you know show the difference between like his music and like the hymn music mm. like him isn't a band I really got into. I liked maybe Wings of a Butterfly. I thought that was all right, but I hated I, and like, loved Sendo. So yeah, I, <laughs> I really dislike that song. Oh so no! Like I, I think like the first when I just got given a bunch of money once, I just went out and bought like five him albums and just blitzed that stuff. That I hated. Like, <laughs> I feel like uh, for for me, they 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 were kind of a band that I recognise as oh, like, people love them they're not for me mm, yeah. and I I know that there's a lot of bands that I enjoy that people will be like they had like one album and I'm like yeah it's the best <laughs> bye <laughs> oh my god there was um, I just keep thinking about like set elements and it's cool to see bands develop set stuff so like um, the order for the the, the Friday the Bring the Horizon day was like Pendulum Architects Bring the Horizon um, but like Pendulum bought way too much production with them, like too too much shit, which mm. cut, which meant their set went over and it cut into Architects stage time. But, that sucks. But like Sam, the frontman of Architects, was like, oh, you know, we've uh, got to cut the last two songs from the set, unfortunately, because Pendulum ran over. Like you think, given the fact that they're Pendulums, they'd be able to keep time. <laughs> you just have this like, oh. <laughs> but it's funny, but then like you have this like death by overproduction because like the next on the Saturday you're disturbed as main support to Metallica and Disturbed rolled a massive drum kit on stage I mean like intimidatingly big yeah. and had the a backdrop mm-hmm. that was it and like they their songs carried that entire thing like that front man like I know they're David a bit of dreaming yeah. yeah like they can be a bit of a meme band maybe because all their songs sound the same but he knows how to work a crowd like yeah, like say what you want about like Disturbed and whether they they released anything worthwhile after doing prayer. That was like the last song I listened to by them, and I I listened to that song for like three hours one night. I just kept putting it on repeat because it's a tune. But like, and I would love to see them live because like, they're obviously gonna be fire. They they are really good live. Like, yeah, like that's the second time I see them, and honestly, like he's hitting every like. I don't know. It's just. They're just good live. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, all you need is the band to be able to play their own songs properly. But like, yeah, it was cool. Especially in like the modern age of like, I'm going to say it, Rise Records. Oh, Rise Records. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole thing. Um, Rise Records and like Joey Sturgis production where like he, um, you know, obviously you, you get two weeks to produce. A band turns up with five out, five songs even. You have two weeks to shit out a record. From, yeah. And that's it. You have to be quick at producing. But like, his style now is like he has an, he'll have an assistant and they quantize the drums so they record the drums fully mm. and then they'll have someone on the timeline dragging everything so it's perfectly in time and like that's part like I, don't, I want the opposite of that I you thought know? I thought the whole point of like being in a studio is that the bands have had time to practice these like when I think of like um, 
albums that I've bought where there's been making of like DVDs, um, sort of like Chimera's The Impossibility of Reason or like Epica's um, Consigned to Oblivion album. They came with like DVDs which showed the making of the album. It shows like even In Flames Come Clarity. It shows them performing in like a garage or whatever, the songs for like six months until they got them tight. Until like, you know, they, they literally like embodied the songs. And then when they get into the studio, like you shouldn't really be thinking about like quantizing drums because if your group isn't in time then like there's something yeah i think there's something like maybe about how like it feels like there's a guy called will putney who now is like he does like strafe in the path and knocked loose who mm. if you haven't checked out any knocked loose i think it, it i've heard knocked loose. yeah yeah it definitely seems like it's something <laughs> up your street but like the way that like some of the those albums are recorded it's just like it's gonna like we're going to do the drums maybe as a session. There's some sort of like, we're going to chuck you all in the room yeah. apart from the vocalist. You're going to play it and then we're going to capture some of that and it makes its way into the final record. So it's almost like there's a feat that you get that oomph to yeah, it. Yeah, because it's like, it's like the old like um, Richard Spector, like wall of sound style production where like instruments wouldn't be recorded separately. They'd all be recorded playing together. So it would require you like as a band or as a group to be able to play all those instruments together and keep in time and stuff like that yeah. and i feel like you know in the age of like especially like modern digital production where like you can just get fruit loops or like uh pro tools and like record each element like as an individual track and just do it all one by one yeah. and that's really great especially if like you're doing solo production but I feel like a band who is supposed to then go and like perform this stuff out together you should really be like trying everything you can to like be able to perform those songs together tightly and like you know sound good together like yeah this this is another thing I keep bringing it back to download but like fucking architects do that now so they have an extra person on stage that plays keys and does like extra mm, percussion nice. because there's another there's a podcast called the downbeat which I highly highly recommend if you're into like metal or just any yeah yeah like live the live like alternative scene but they were saying that like at some points it was just like a like the vocalist singing with a backing track and everyone else on stage is just sat there doing nothing and you're like this takes away from it somehow yeah like because I understand using like a backing track for like electronics or ambience if that's not something that you have someone necessarily like performing in the band. So like if you've got like the classic, I don't know, like two guitarists, bassist, drummer, vocalist setup or whatever that is typical of like a metal band, like and you've got electronics and like samples and stuff, it makes sense to have those on a backing track. Yeah. But like it's nice if you can just have like a live touring like keyboardist or something to like cue all those up and yeah and have it, a bit add it to make it live because like that's more fun than like you know watching woe is me walk to the side of the stage and start the next track on the macbook pro or, bro like, being unable to start your set because your mac crashed it's like <laughs> no come on toxic like, yeah i mean yeah like but that's toxic to the fans too because like yeah like you should know how to play your instruments fam yeah like so i think that's why there's like a bit of big resurgence in punk music because it's like it doesn't matter if it's played badly it doesn't matter like how good you are it's more about like let's get as many people into it's a tiny a room vibe. yeah yeah you're like it's like hardcore you know it's just fun like you know that, that's the, lyrics, the whole like... like that's the whole like you know the whole thesis of hardcore it's like 
DIY. It's it's not necessarily about like. It's more about like expressing emotion and creating an atmosphere and like feeling. And it's not. It's not even like one particular type of sound or anything. Mm. This is why like you can have like hardcore pop and stuff. Like it just. It's, it, hardcore is an attitude, and that's why hardcore will never die. Not hard, like defend hardcore. Yeah. I I will defend hardcore until I'm dust. Like it, <laughs> it's really fun. I think it, this is maybe my own little thing I like doing. But you know, if you take someone to a gig and there's like going to be pit call out, so like a bit where everyone's like, Whoa. but when like the crowd is silent because there's no clean singing, and then suddenly someone has like there's like one line, and everybody in the room knows it. They just, belt it out mm. that's cool as hell when yeah. that happens you're like oh yeah we're here now like yeah hell yeah hell yeah well, right we have been media literacy is dead and we now have an email address so if you do listen and you got to this far well done congrats thank you very much high five um but our email address is media literacy is dead at gmail.com can you say that back one more time for media, us, Chris? Media scene. Media scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, again, it's bro. Media literacy is dead at gmail.com. Um, you can sign us up for some spam if you like. It would be nice to be able to curate the spam filter. Oh, that would be wicked, yeah. But, you know, if you want to send us something. I want dick pills. Yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'd be amazed if we get a single email. That would be amazing. You know, if anyone's listening and wants to engage with us, wicked. Yeah. Like, thank you. And we'll see you next time when we talk about Iron Mask. Yeah, it's um, I think it's on Amazon at the moment, so you can literally go watch it right now. Banging. Yeah. Well, enjoy. See you next time. Peace.